There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Switched on Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. Nailed that. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we want to look at how musicians push our ears to hear otherworldly sounds. And joining us is Clipping, who are made up of... Jonathan Snipes. William Hudson. Debbie Diggs. You guys got your cues perfectly. Thank you. (laughs) Clipping are a phenomenal hip-hop group and experts at using both familiar and challenging sounds to make deeply affective music that straddles the line between accessibility and difficulty. And today, we're going to break down their Hugo-nominated single, The Deep, a truly (laughs) otherworldly track about an underwater civilization birthed from African women who had been tossed overboard from slave ships sailing to the Americas. This track is truly deep, and I'm sorry for the pun, but it had to happen. But first, as an amuse-bouche, we want to start with (laughs) things as we always do. We're going to deconstruct a pop track together. And in this case, I think it's going to be really successful because today we're going to talk about Kali Uchis and Tyler, the Creators, After the Storm, featuring Bootsy Collins. The sun will come out. So on the surface, I think this track may seem relatively, I don't know, simple, listenable. But underneath, I think that we're going to hear a lot of things which actually go to much greater depth. Maybe just as an easy question to start off with, what is this song about? You guys want to give it a try? I think it's about like getting past the tough time in a relationship and getting towards the good time, right? You got to struggle through the storm to have the sun come out. Beautiful. Yeah. The sun is literally coming out in New York City as we're recording this. (laughs) So it (laughs) seems very fitting. Exactly. Okay. Easy. Is it a relationship? I feel like the Tyler part makes it sound like there's a relationship, but her lyrics don't sound particularly specific to romantic. That's true. Although the word baby Mm. is the only thing that led me in that direction, Mm. right? But I guess Mm. like if we're hearkening back to the 70s, like all the music is, that's also just like saying man, right? (laughs) It's like filler. It's just two syllables. Bro. They go anywhere. (laughs) Baby and B. Yeah. yeah. It's like saying like or um or whatever. (laughs) Baby. Baby. In in the piece, she says, we've been struggling endlessly. And what I want to look at is, where are we hearing signs of maybe storminess or struggle happening in mm. this track? Cool. I love that key change under Tyler's verse for some reason. Yeah. Tyler, what you mean? I take it offensive because I'm the hottest flower boy that popped up on the scene. 
I love like a modulation that leads into a rapt verse where there's no pitch material in the vocal. It's, mm. it's not like it needed to change key for his vocal range or something, right? It's, yeah, absolutely. It's a super jarring shift. Yeah, there's a lot of weird jarring elements happening in here. Some of the things that I heard were, I guess, yeah, a lot of playing with pitch. This song is very pitchy and bizarre. Mm. You can hear it actually in the instrumentation. It's kind of everywhere, right? You have mm. underlying the entire track are these modulated keys that are sort of going in and out of pitch. The sun will come out. Right? You've got sort of a, like a, yeah, really a pitch slow on the envelope and a modulation yeah, yeah. of the pitch on the keys. <laughs> and then you go to the guitars. Right, just like it—it it sounds like horribly. everything's running through old tape, right? Mm -hmm. Ooh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's funny because it feels like music in the '70s sort of sounded like that accidentally because no synth stayed in tune and <laughs> tape. There was so much tape modulation, and now and now that's become an aesthetic that we're going for. Like I find we're constantly doing that too. It's just like hmm. putting really slow modulations on the pitch, right, right, just to get everything to keep kind of warm and sort of move around a little bit, right, sort so, of hover so and warble. So as a modern producer, you're basically using uh, an electronic plugin, which is emulating the sound of tape, which goes in and out of pitch. Yeah, or just or, having, or just having the synth tune itself, right? Oh yeah, like, right, not even right. using a plugin to do it. I want to go to what you said about the pitchiness moves beyond just the soundscape. It actually happens in the structure of the song, right? We we move in and out of different keys, like a lot of keys, mm -hmm. like unusual amounts of yeah. different keys for a pop song. Right? You mean more than one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, unless you're like Max Martin, you don't do this. The more I listen to it, the more it sounds like I want to be your lover, right? Like mm. that Marvin Gaye song. Mm. I'm not sure like how much is sampled from there or not, but like it's so in there. Come live with me. Which that song did a similar thing. It does move around so much, and there's like rumbling in it, you know? Rumbling. I don't know. There's there's something that feels like storm clouds or something. I don't know, like under the whole shit. It starts with a big clash of thunder and then right. rain and right, 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 right. So the storm is like on the nose. Yeah, yeah. This song goes all over in terms of key. What allows her to be able to do that? And I think what it is is that we've got this underlying repetition. We've got Bootsy Collins' bass line, which is just so fat and really grounds us throughout the entire track to be able to then make aberrations in our direction. Is he actually playing the bass? That's what I was just oh, looking up. I don't I think curious. he I think he just does I vocals think he just on the vocal. Does he really? I think it's not Bootsy Because the beat bass. is by Bad Bad Not Good. Yeah, it's, so it's the bass player from Bad Bad Not Good. I, I was just going to look that up. But, yeah. Who has done a very good job of emulating <laughs> Bootsy Collins. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it definitely feels like Bootsy. My suspicion is that he yelled some things into a mic and <laughs> someone else is playing the yeah. space bass on this part. <laughs> And I did hear that actually, she's like, we actually went out to his home studio ranch, which I think is in Ohio, mm -hmm. and did hang out and produce this track oh, together. Well. So this is not a phone it in over Dropbox track. Okay. So we all right, all right. We, I'm not sure we know. Even exactly. though his voice literally sounds like it's on a phone, which I like. <laughs> on a phone. <laughs> <laughs> Chester Hansen plays bass. Chester on that Hansen. Song. Thank you for the appropriate fact check. Bootsy Collins vocals and songwriting. I guess he wrote his own lyrics. But maybe we can agree <laughs> that he's channeling some, oh, yeah. uh, some Parliament Funk I would think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I want to give uh, Nate an opportunity to share with folks how this sort of idea of a, a ground repeating riffy bass allows us to do more interesting things. So Nate, you've prepared something for us, yeah? Oh yeah, we are going to do a brief classical masters digression here. We're exploring now 
ostinati repetition uh, back, back back up ostinati you got to define your terms man <laughs> right sorry let me let me uh translate my italian here <laughs> So an ostinato is a ostinopodes. <laughs> I love using the proper uh, pluralization of ostinato. <laughs> yeah. Right. Panini, panino, <laughs> ostinato, ostinati. An ostinato is a repeating musical phrase, which is something that we can encounter in music at every period. Sort of, we can go back to the Baroque era. We can go to the 1600s and encounter a composer like. Henry Purcell using ostinati in his music. Uh, we can listen to what he would have called a ground bass. That was basically the Baroque equivalent of a bass line, a ground bass, a bass line that repeated over and over again. Let's have a listen to uh, this ground in D minor. <laughs> just as funky as the uh, Bootsy alikeness <laughs> after the storm. Oh my god, if we threw Bootsy Collins on top of that track, it'd be dope. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> That's probably the most direct through line from after the storm to like the history of Western music. Because in reality, though, though we have examples like Baroque ground bass, repetition was not a huge part of like the history of, you know, classical Western music. Yeah. But when you get to folk music, pop music, then these ostinati repetition becomes like the backbone of so much musical structure because it becomes something that you can improvise on top of, that you can create grooves with really easily. I kind of want to fast forward now to an artist connected to this track, Parliament Funkadelic. My yeah. favorite band ever of all time. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and I think there might, when we get to the deep in the second half of the show, we might find some other points of overlap. <laughs> We're fast forwarding from Baroque England now mm -hmm. to uh, Detroit in the 1970s. But we're going to find the same concept at play. Parliament will take a groove and extrapolate it sometimes over like a 15 minute track or more. But what it does is it does the same thing. It creates this ground. And on top of that, you can improvise. You can have these different sections. Let's check out a powerful ostinato from the end of uh, Mothership Connection. All right, that's Bootsy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that one's for sure. So in that Parliament track, the repetition grows and has all this variation, but underneath there's something that's still recognizable, something you can latch onto. What's incredible is that you can take these ostinatos and like move them into different contexts. Like we can find Dr. Dre in the '90s taking that same ostinato from Parliament and working it into his track "Let Me Ride." But what's remarkable is that you can go forward and backwards in time with these ostinati in surprising ways, because what we're hearing in this Afro-futurist parliament track is a reference to a spiritual that's been around for centuries, Swing Down Chariot, which is here performed by the Golden Gate 
quartet. Let's take a listen to that. Why don't you swing down sweet chariot stopping? Let me ride. Swing, swing down chariot stopping. Let me ride. Rock me, Lord. Rock me, Lord. Come and easy. I got a home on the other side. Why don't you swing down sweet chariot? <laughs> Man. <laughs> In all these cases across time and space, you find that the power of repetition allows you to create powerful new texts hmm. so much of the music we listen to including this Kaliuchi song like relies on this specific technique of, of something repeating and then something you can layer on top of and gradually make it more and more complex and jarring but because there's something familiar underneath it remains accessible i think it cues up perfectly this idea that jonathan introduced that we've got some weird modulation that's happening in tyler the creator's verse and this is where things start to take a real turn after the storm all the way up through tyler the creator's verse we have just this riff that repeats over and over again and then we are taken into a totally different direction because the whole thing just kind of goes and dips down just half a key and pulls us back And I want to zoom in just... Yeah, okay. <laughs> I just want to zoom in really closely on that sound because it's so satisfying. <laughs> and if that's not enough, uh, we're going to go really, really, really close. Whoa. Enhance. <laughs> <laughs> so we just got to melt down into Tyler's verse. And it's just, Ooh. it's such a good verse that I think we should listen to the whole thing. Tyler, what you mean? I take it offensive because I'm the hottest flower boy that popped up on the scene. Feeling better, better than ever, because your umbrella, umbrella. Sun is beaming home and like headlights beaming on Bambit. Now let's pretend the street is a room and you are a camera because you drama candy. The Tito to my branded. Now let's produce some thrillers, my chocolate with your vanilla on. Does it also get slower slightly? Oh, I don't know. What, you hearing that? Kind of. I wouldn't hmm. be surprised. It may. They slow down the tape. I don't know. Oh, interesting. That's what it sounds like. I wonder if it gets slower in relation oh. to, the, to the pitch change. Or is that just an illusion you're hearing? Because yeah, maybe of because of the pitch change. Slow down sound. Because of the pitch change. So what's your old take on this first? What are you hearing? Well, it's funny talking about ostinati through time right because like so much of what tyler is doing is referencing other pop songs so yes. to me it like feels like tyler was like oh i know what this is you're <laughs> saying like i'm gonna i'm gonna put this right in the world where we're trying to be so like you hear like the umbrella reference really early on and then like naming dropping various of the, of the jackson five and then talking about the production of thriller right i really like that about the verse about like very intentionally connecting this yeah. yep. very referential sort of pop song to like a tradition of pop music it's awesome that he has these double meanings in which he's both talking about the relationship and citing all of his influences just like, yeah 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 <laughs> Even though he's been doing this for so long and he's so great at it, it's all because of when I fell in love with Tyler, right? It's like so weird to hear him rap like this, kind of in this in this way that is uh, very much about helping people <laughs> like get into the piece and is like for the piece as opposed to like all the destruction that he used to bring to tracks. You know, like he had, yeah. he had sort of the opposite intent when I first became aware of him, when he sort of brought Odd Future to all of our attention. He's always been a great rapper who could do anything, you know? Mm. So for me, because I listen to that stuff so heavily, listening to him pop up on these pop songs is like, 
it's fun. It's fun watching him do the opposite thing. It's very like inclusive. This is a verse for everybody. Yeah, I like that you use the word deconstructive, right? The track is almost deconstructed and slowed down to be like, hey, it's changing. Right. It's a jarring but really you know, potent moment about to happen. And he does have like one of the best voices in rap. Oh, like how sure. deep his voice is oh, yeah. to have yeah. that happen where the track slows down and to have that ultra deep voice come in. It's like you slowed her down. <laughs> <laughs> the pitch goes down. The tempo goes down. Well, that's where jury's debatable. still out on that one, but we're going to have to do some beat matching later. We'll see. And literally <laughs> the voice yeah, drops to that gravelly deep timbre. It's like listening yeah. to a DJ Screwed song. Right <laughs> yeah, Tyler's just all <laughs> yeah, Tyler's always already screwed. Sometimes on iTunes, people will leave reviews of the show and they'll always say, oh, let's switch on pop that's in the show. And But man, that Nate Sloan, he's got a deep voice. He's got the best <laughs> voice. And so I, I kind of have like vocal dysmorphia about just not being able to meet the quality of Nate's beautiful radio voice. However, it's very clear you've been one-upped on this verse. Because <laughs> the, I think if you looked at this on an EQ, it would go below human hearing range <laughs> i sound the least like a rapper of any rapper i know to myself and we're actually constantly struggling with what to mic me with so that i sound more like a rapper you know so i get that i sit in the baritone range better to be a bass or a tenor baritone you're stuck in the middle not very useful so uh this is not our only modulation things get even weirder later on in this song we eventually transition out of tyler's Verse, we move back up into our key. We get that repeated bass line, that ground bass, that thing which sort of brings us home mm. so that we feel a sense of stability. But the storminess is still there, right? We've got those weird pitchy sounds going underneath. And it would only be appropriate if uh, the song had some resolution where the sunshine came out. And so I want to take us to the bridge. <laughs> nice. So what happens here, guys? What are y'all hearing? <laughs> what just happened? So we have another modulation, right? Another key change? We did, yeah. yeah. Where did it go? I couldn't even tell if it went up or down, honestly. Who's got better ears than the uh, PhD here? Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> That's unnecessary, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> we go into the parallel major. We go from A minor into A major, and this is sort of an A major 7. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I got stumped on this on our last episode, too, where we were talking about Ariana Grande. It did the same thing from minor to parallel major, and I couldn't hear it. <laughs> All right. So now I understand, Charlie. And, and what I think you're suggesting is that this is literally the sun coming out, right? The switch. This is the sun uh -huh, The switch yes. to the major. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Exactly. I think, Nate, you put it once that repetition is the spoonful of sugar that allows for more avant-garde and challenging medicine to come out. Mm. That repetition gives us the capacity to do these stranger moves on the track. I wanted to check in before we close it out, though, if you're hearing anything else on After the Storm that just stands out to you. I heard lots of references moving in your brain as we were going. Anything else in this track? There's a like deep hidden reference in here that I particularly love. In the lyrics? Yeah. Wait, this is like a scavenger hunt. I, know, I don't know. I know. <laughs> I'm trying to go through them all. Uh, whatever goes around eventually comes back to you. So you gotta be careful, baby. 
All right, who's got it? Oh, it's going to hurt when you hear it. All right, here's what it is. Look both ways before you cross my mind. Cross my mind. That is the opening track to Country mm-hmm. Lamar's To Pimp a yeah. Butterfly. That's Wesley's theory. Yeah. Sung by George Clinton. George Clinton. But yeah. don't George those words Clinton. also appear in Cinderella Theory, the George Clinton song? Whoa. Oh, dang. <laughs> Do they? I'm not sure. We just. But that's what I remember thinking when I, I don't know, Bill, look that up. <laughs> I'm looking it up. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Whoa. We just broke through. But, okay. I think it's important to know what's happening here. Right? We got Bootsy Collins referencing George Clinton through different tracks, both obviously members of Parliament Funkadelic. And I think this is important here because, frankly, Parliament's music has become so potent right now, and they are of use in culture. If we look at, obviously, things like uh, Childish Gambino's Redbone Mm. being one of the most important tracks of last year, and it's a real throwback and homage to that Parliament sound. That whole album is... That whole album, right? Just one Parliament reference after the other. I love it. It's crazy, too, because like as we listened to earlier, this is almost like the second P-Funk revival after 90s hip-hop incorporated into so many tracks from dre snoop dogg nwa Mm. now 30 years after that it's like come back around again it's really interesting and i think it serves as an appropriate transition to talk about the deep because parliament funkadelic are known for their afrofuturist narratives for having underlying their extremely danceable music very political messages and messages that carry in a long tradition of bringing in Mm. sci-fi and fantasy and politics all within a track and I am so thrilled in the second half of our show to go into your Hugo-nominated track, The Deep. But before we do, we just need to make sure, fact check. (laughs) It's not in Cinderella Theory. There's a lot of conversation about where it originated. Everyone says it's from some Parliament song, but no one can find it. (laughs) Oh, man. So actually, I don't know. Oh, man. I know I've heard that before, too. But we'll get to the bottom of it. We got to throw it out to the listeners. We got to find the the answer to this. The internet forums haven't found it. Our professional fact checker here can't find it. So uh, (laughs) the truth is out there. It's out there. We'll get back to it. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. 
Real Traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to Switched On Pop. We are now going to talk about Clipping's Hugo-nominated The Deep. I think, like the Kali Uchis track, Clipping really successfully builds complex soundscapes that defy normal expectations of what you're going to hear in a track. Mm. And The Deep is a sci-fi narrative with very modern-day themes. What I want to do is try to understand how you built this narrative and how you support it with these non-traditional soundscapes. So let's take a listen to get the track in our ear. Tonight, we remember. Y'all remember how deep it go. Started from the bottom. Y'all remember how deep it go. For y'all had to come back deep. Y'all remember when it used to be deep. So deep. So, so deep. So just to begin, could you expand upon the premise of this piece and where you're wanting to take listeners? Well, I'm never, never sure like where to start the discussion of this song, right? Because we really wanted, it was about sort of homage to the band Drexia. Yeah. And the story that we're telling is sort of based in a mythology that they kind of laid out yeah. really over the course of their album art. It was because hmm. like those songs aren't very lyric heavy, right. but they would sort of tell this story throughout their album covers. So we'd like wanted to place something in that world and continue that mythology and sort of paid homage to that band. Broadly, the narrative is about there is a society of underwater beings who are the descendants of pregnant African slaves who've been thrown overboard during the Middle Passage. And they're existing totally fine underwater, except now we have spent so many years polluting the ocean that it is becoming unsafe for them. And so as they sort of expand upward, as society continues to generate and they need more space and they're expanding upward towards the surface, the toxicity levels are getting way higher. And uh, eventually they need to make their presence known and retaliate in some way. And there are sort of arguments within the society about whether or not that should happen. But what we were really trying to do was make something that would be like the the song that is sung every year at like a festival of remembrance of mm. this date when we made our presence known, right? So it was sort of in a, in kind of like a folk song tradition where it's like right. this gets played at midnight every year on the party to honor the day that the Drexians made themselves like known to, oh, to huh. the surface world. So <laughs> while like the events of the song are sort of, could be in our present or our very near future, the singing of the song could be a right. thousand years in the future or something. So right. it's, yeah. It's trying That's, to do like mm. a John Henry sort of thing. We were, oh, so we cool. were really into that. Right. We were talking cool. a lot about John Henry at the mm. time. <laughs> and you use this motif, y'all remember, throughout the entire track as a constant reminder that we're looking backward. Mm. I'm really sorry about this, but I did have to mash up a handful of y'all remembers just to uh, get <laughs> this in our ear. So here's a y'all remember collision. Y'all remember, y'all remember. Y'all remember, and y'all remember, y'all remember, 
Y'all remember, y'all remember, y'all remember, y'all remember, y'all remember, y'all remember, y'all remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, David, I really like how you use this motif because I think in a different but similar way to the Kaliuchi's track, the repetition of y'all remember keeps resetting us and brings us back home because the mm. narrative that you're telling is fairly complex, right? It's going through multi-hundred year histories. It's a complex civilization being built up. There's a revolution, but you keep bringing us back to remembrance. It almost feels like to me, almost like a Homeric retelling story of warfare. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. And also just to sort of highlight that this is a story that we all know already, mm. right? It's word. It's the Passover Seder. It's like a Seder dinner. Yeah, this yeah, is, what yeah we're, exactly. is what we said. We were, when we were making, we, I remember us discussing the idea of after every y'all remember having a group of sort of 40 or 50 voices saying we remember or something right. like yeah. that. Like as if it's right. like sort of call and response as if you're, hmm. you know, as if it's a, it's a storyteller in front of a huge group and really trying to reinforce the ritualness of this, but we abandoned that. We ran out of time. So at the beginning of the track, you have the sort of, not the narrator, but almost like this computer voice that first says we remember. And then David, you come in and you say, y'all remember. Tonight, we remember. Y'all remember how deep it goes. So it does, you used to Uh, yeah. (laughs) That's interesting. We've never, we discussed, (laughs) well, David, wrote y'all remember as if the only pronoun that that society uses is y'all that there's not individual Mm, uh, yeah yeah there's no i it's all y'all it's all collectivity yeah which i don't really remember why i decided to do that was that your idea bill yeah but then i also didn't follow it when i wrote that opening yeah yeah. (laughs) that that naila says all right i thought she says our mothers i know i totally messed up yeah (laughs) (laughs) we added the intro because this American life asked for it, right? They asked for some sort of help for the listener to sort of guide them through the narrative of the story and the setup of the story. And so we added the intro with the sort of modulated female voice sort of as a nod to Drexia, because that's something they do in a lot of their tracks. Mm-hmm. Is they'll have mm-hmm. a kind of ring modulated female narrator talking about... Or like the controller organizing who's what ships are docking like yeah exactly. cruiser number whatever can dock in this place you know they've got like <laughs> yeah. over we wanted to be able to illustrate where we were physically right with the pressure of each place oh right that oh, was right. What, that's, that's why she says all that that was a lot of research on bill's part <laughs> <laughs> i want to go into exactly this because this piece unfolds in a really fabulous way where yeah. there is a uh, tension built throughout the entire track as people are literally rising out of the sea and each verse there are significant changes that happen i want to start just at the grounding which is really opening in uh, utopia right everybody's dancing around no one's sweating right it's a really beautiful opening y'all remember when it used to be deep so deep so so deep hey when y'all swam about y'all mama while y'all mama was asleep so deep so so deep hey and y'all remember when y'all had the dance floor lit dark no two step deep y'all don't even sweat i love that last moment so much (laughs) there's an entire parliament album motor booty affair that takes place underwater and it's all about dancing underwater and not getting wet ah which i have always assumed was part of this same mythology i assume that (laughs) drexia and george clinton were drawing on the same idea because this idea of of a society of either ghosts or actual living you know 
African slaves that have been thrown overboard exists in a lot of different cultures. If you read like Terrell McCraney's work, he talks about the bone people, which is like a reference to stories he was told as a kid. Hmm. That's Mm. the same thing, but they're, everyone's just the bones. All their skin is washed away and they're just bone people walking on the bottom of the ocean looking for their family. So I was very deliberately kind of nodding towards one of my favorite records that also takes place with black folks dancing underwater. Huh. Okay, so these references are running deep. And <laughs> oh, sorry. That was I, that was completely unintentional. But um can you share with us a little bit about how you're establishing this underwater world sonically? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, we we had sort of decided early on that we wanted the trajectory of the whole song to be this rise to the surface, right? And we right. start the deepest underwater and then we end with a breaking through of the surface. Right. So we just thought about kind of different ways to do that with sound design. That, and yeah. one and one of the ways was that the track gets gradually faster, right? That each verse is right. I think we, you know, start at sixty five beats per minute and we end at 120, 130 130 or something, or something yeah. like that. Well, because well, what um, we did first was we programmed the last verse to sound like a Drexia track. And oh. then we just recorded the same drum pattern slower and slower and slower and dropped out certain elements. elements. And there's a sort of a low pass filter basically on every element that kind of gradually opens over the whole right. seven minutes too. So mm-hmm. the, the sounds in the first verse are very sort of dark and deep and filtered and and low. And by the time you get to the end, everything's kind of brighter and so more let's, open. Let's, up. Yeah, the idea was pressure, yeah. pressure as you're going up makes everything is, seem faster. Which is faster, totally so not yeah. how being underwater works no but it doesn't it's it's a it's a definitely a metaphor but it, but it is how it works in movies i feel like we have to hear this for a second we start underwater in verse one y'all remember how deep it go for y'all had to come so all the sounds deep. you said there's a low pass filter basically you've cut off all the highs and so it just kind of feels underwater actually I feel and like they're it. played slower and they're played slower. yeah right um, so all of the underwater sounds we sort of recorded at really high sample rates so we could slow them way down and get these kind uh. of large deep sort of sounding bubbles that's just bill blowing into a bowl of water with a straw <laughs> slowed way way down oh wow as you were saying as we rise up literally the various uh, ships are going up further into right. the sea we, we increase in tempo when we get that what had been this really loose sense of a beat and we start to feel like oh this is a hip-hop track who knew david you mimic it by the rhythm of your flow increases to build that tension and y'all was talking how to get up in their heads and got to being real inspired circumstances of the birth has got y'all feeling like an army better yet a navy and they gone gave y'all the blessing now y'all going crazy we're getting faster and then finally we rise out of the water and there's no more water Y'all remember so deep sunshine. Ride on. Y'all remember so deep sunshine. Ride on. Y'all remember when y'all had to let him breathe. Ride on. Aye. Oh, yeah, and that's the breaking through right there. Oh, that's that's why you hear seagulls. <laughs> it's an actually an, an Arctic turn. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that moment at the very end is like cresting, and then the tidal wave. Yeah, breaking the waves and. Okay, I get it now. Wow. That's fabulous. Okay, so we've risen up. We've come out of the water. Flow's getting faster. What other elements are important in establishing the soundscape for you? We're usually not so prescriptive with our sound design. Like, uh, usually the, the sound design is a little more acousmatic, right? That we're more interested in what the sounds are rather than what the sort of extra the referential objects, associations yeah, the with the sounds are. are. But, yeah. but this mm-hmm. time we really wanted everything to sound like it was underwater, have some interaction with water. Part of that has to do with, yeah, usually the sounds we use are much more abstracted from their reference, right? So the idea is 
if we use the sound of breaking cinder blocks, the song is not about breaking cinder blocks, right? right? right. But in this case, right. <laughs> the reason we were doing this was because this was commissioned by um, This American Life right. as a segment on their show, and they really wanted the storytelling to be very clear. Right. Uh, they were worried that our songs are a little, are usually too obscure, and that people listening, just tuning in on the radio and hearing it once, needed to be able to follow it, sort of. So I think we um, <laughs> we did make this a lot more thematically watery in our sound design mm. than I think we would have usually done. It mm. got to a point where we actually had to push back, right? We were like, actually, we're not doing any more to make this clear. Like, there's, there is a difference between a song and a story on the radio, mm. and I think people will understand it. But, like, they, there were, like, discussions over the process where they, like, kept asking for clarity. And we were like, we think it's clear enough. We think we got there. <laughs> I think we did most of their notes. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think wait, didn't they were I, generally very good notes. Yeah. Actually, didn't Iroh want us to cut the line about not sweating? Actually, that's funny. Oh yeah, they wanted us to cut something in the first verse that we refused. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it was it yeah. was for time, right? It was like the first verse felt a little bit too long. It was for well, time. Yeah. It was just like there, there it was like two bars right. in the first verse that he's like, I don't think this is really propelling the narrative forward, and we're like, well, but we need it to be symmetrical. <laughs> And it wouldn't. It would have been a seven-bar verse or something, something weird. weird. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked imagining Ira Glass as a hip-hop producer. <laughs> Just like he's going to start working with like so our empresario, Doctor yeah, Dre. <laughs> Be like, I don't know. I think you should change Gucci Gang. Gucci Gang, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they could have got that note. I really like how you all are. You use what is a very. Um, it, the narrative does take us in a very clear place. I'm able to follow where you're going, and yet you're able to include some sounds in here which are incredibly jarring, very powerful. I wanted to play a couple of sounds that come out in this track that, in context, you're like, oh, yeah, for sure, that's what's happening. Hmm. But if you just heard this anywhere else, you're listening to some like really intense like death metal or something. <laughs> Finally, everything explodes. Those are some terrifying sounds. <laughs> like, absolutely terrifying. Oh, yeah. mm. <laughs> <laughs> I guess what, what I'm hearing is that by providing us this really clear narrative, you're able to insert these more challenging and interesting sounds. You all do this throughout so many of your tracks where the underlying production has a, I don't know, I feel like a really deep narrative connection to what David is saying and oftentimes are sort of like they are affective and that they I find them both challenging and acceptable at the same time. Hmm. So I don't know. I just wanted to share. I think you do that very, very oh, effectively. Yeah. I do think these are the most justified weird noises we've ever used. They're yeah. like, the, they're there to tell the story. So we got to make them, but often well, we just make horrible sounds that aren't justified. That yeah. just pop on in a track. I, I really like when you use <laughs> alarm clocks and turn the synthesizers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, and usually we could just get to say, well, we like the way that this sounds aesthetically, like in the same way that you would choose a guitar tone, right? Or a right. dial up a synthesizer patch or something. But in this particular case, we had to say, well, how does this, how will a listener interpret this sound narratively? I want to ask you about one more sound, which is yeah. the song, even though we are sort of moving from a, you know, the, the beat is so slow, you don't even know if you might just be listening to spoken word, right? And then eventually mm -hmm. you get up and clearly we're listening to a hip hop track. And I think one of the things you do to ground us there is we've got a hook. Remember. 
So what is this hook, and what is the purpose of, of including it in a song which is, as you said, intentionally extremely narrative? What is the, the sound yeah, itself? Yeah, first, what's the sound? Oh, the, the yeah. bell, the bell yeah. sound? Yeah. So that's, uh, if you take apart a hard drive, there are these little metal discs uh, inside of it. <laughs> Who knew this that, would be so rewarding? That make this really beautiful ring. And oh. it's, they have a very particular pitch, yeah. Yeah, huh. it's a... I think they're B flat. A I love flat. that computers are tuned to B flat. They're right. the jazz PhD, very happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and I had been sort of taking them apart and kind of figuring out what to do with a bunch of old dead hard drives that I was trying to do something. Well, because we recorded breaking them for a different thing. We made like a bunch of clicking, like any hard oh, drives yeah, that like were if broken. You, if you start like a broken hard drive that sort of clicking and, <laughs> and stuttering, um, we were recording those and like starving them power and getting them to kind of and like dragging. <sighs> we did a whole thing where we'd expose the disc oh. and then I I would drag like um, paper clips on them and or like different it, pitches. Yeah, and like if you we did dry ice too, little screwdriver or something <laughs> on the exposed spinning disc to, to make these sounds. So we had all these discs that we had actually used some of them in uh, the drum kit that we had right. built when we were on Conan. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> right. To yeah. do uh, air them out because we built a drum kit for our friend Shakuti to play out of just sort of found materials and there were a lot of because it ended up that those particular discs were in the key of that song air them out totally accidentally (laughs) Accidentally, anyway so we then we we recorded uh striking these discs with mallets and then quickly dipping them into water uh, in a sort of (laughs) so the pitch bends like toru takamitsu or john cage style because the pitch bends on a resonating material like object as you dip it slowly into water i thought it'd be kind of interesting to make a sampler instrument out of a ton of these right so that the initial pitch is the key that you're playing on the keyboard but that it modulates as it bends into the water and each note is a different we recorded i don't know a dozen of these or 20 of these or something so that each time you play a note it sort of round robins through them so never it's never the same sound over and over again but it has this weird kind of pitch bend on it oh. no matter what note you're playing and that's the the instrument that's playing that you very are, you are very, some crazy mad scientist <laughs> <laughs> very drexia inspired melody too i think that kind of little yeah. descending minor key thing was something it, that it I, sounds like hydro cubes yeah, I think yeah, is the, yeah. Tra- the drexia track that that kind of sounds like David, what does the hook do for you in supporting the narrative? I think it's just a chance to like bring it back to the sort of call and response nature of the thing that mm-hmm. we were trying to have. If we had had time to do that idea to get 40 voices uh, responding to the y'all remember, you know, it would have been that moment. But it's just, it's that point in the party. And also like it is, like you said, it's a rap song. <laughs> because we do so much that is in some ways challenging to how rap songs function, we generally structurally mm. are not that challenging, mm. right? So like the vast majority of our songs are verse hook, verse hook, verse hook. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're playing with that a little more these days, but that was intentional early on because mm. we wanted to make sure everybody still recognized these as rap songs. So we were doing things that rap songs do. Yeah, And then yeah, this was the same thing. That reminds me of, uh, similarly, Trent Reznor was always deliberate in trying to create really challenging industrial music to always use pop song formats. Mm-hmm. And it's unsurprising that Nine Inch Nails makes it onto the pop charts and you know had overwhelming successes because underneath what are some challenging sounds is a nice little uh, pop although, structure. Although it's funny, you think of 
his most successful song closer has like a three minute instrumental outro which is pretty <laughs> which is unusual for a pop song there's yeah. got to be a radio editor or something I, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love that approach in clipping in general and it seems especially effective for this song because it is like you're looking through a watery mirror at a society that like might in some way resemble our own you know they, they have you know hooks and choruses and instruments that sound familiar but you can't quite put your finger on mm-hmm. them and that hard drive dipped in water is a perfect example of that where you're like i think i know what this is but i might also have no idea it's also very similar to the kaliuchis with like this whole mm-hmm. i mean it's a storm coming to sunshine we're underwater mm-hmm. coming to sunshine all this pitch bendy stuff is always about like wateriness it's like a metaphor for water yeah if this weren't on a mount, I would have dropped the mic because that's exactly <laughs> <laughs> what I was hoping we would find that connection. Oh, um, I'm sorry. Did I do it too fast? No, that was... Per- <laughs> we'll just cut it. That Cut that and put it at the end. Yeah. <laughs> just You'll like edit it to the end it. of the yeah. thing. So, yeah. I want to ask uh, just one more question about the deep. And if you'd like, we can cut it because sometimes you don't want to reveal too much. Oh, we're pretty transparent. Okay. Yeah. There is an online debate about what happens in the end of the deep ah. oh really oh yes. i haven't noticed that and i thought it would be nice maybe we could settle the debate <laughs> or if you want open uh, the debate even further at the end of the song uh there is this giant tidal wave that supposedly takes over and smashes all of the humans right and uh, ends that civilization however the very last line of the song says that we're gonna let them breathe and there's this sort of very powerful moment David, that you choose to make this connection where the underwater population sees the roots of their history in the above water population. And so some people online just thought, well, if you're going to let them breathe, maybe you're actually saving them from the tidal wave. What's actually happening here? (laughs) Hmm. Well, I don't know if we decided if everyone dies or if it was just like a show of force, you know, we tend to also, the three of us tend to have different interpretations of what happens in our songs. But (laughs) in my opinion, like it was, it was a show of force and a lot of people died. Mm. Let them breathe to me was about drowning them essentially because they breathe water. Right. Right. So, Uh. but it's also a reference to another clipping song to air them out. Yeah. Which was also why we threw those ride on them overdubs in there. Cause that's also from that song. And it was sort of a way of connecting our two, right. Uh, like Afrofuturist works to one another. And like, right. <laughs> I do a lot of things sometimes to like leave ourselves open to maybe connecting things later if we wanted to, not that mm. we necessarily ever would, but this way, like there was sort of a direct connection between those two worlds. So if we were to want to like make a story song that for some reason connected Mm. splendor and misery to this world that this would be an opportunity to do that not that we would ever necessarily do that i love thinking about our songs as and i this is sort of something we developed really while doing the splendor misery album as primary sources Mm -hmm. right as opposed to interpretations so we all have different stories of the narrative of splendor and misery where the three of us all have different ideas about what happens to that character i mean with it's a yeah. lot of overlap and a lot of similarities but it's important to us that we actually kind of disagree on what yeah. we think happens mm-hmm. but also that those all three of those interpretations 
could be true, right? Mm -hmm. Given the primary mm -hmm. source evidence that we have, which Ooh. is the album we made, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? That like when you reconstruct then what actually happened, that these all make sense that you could connect these lines, connect these lines. And I think the deep yeah, is kind e of each the, of our readings is available, but yeah. which in turn means that like they don't necessarily everybody agree. else's reading on the internet is possible too. I mean, except the dumb ones, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all interpretations are good, but the bad ones. Uh, I, I, I like that this leaves you open to potentially be the Asimovs of Afrofuturist hip hop in which <laughs> you decide that at some point in your career, like, oh no, everything was connected and just go back and sort of like weave it all together over many generations and tens of thousands of years. It's possible. <laughs> just yeah, put it yeah. out there. I mean, it's nice to have options. <laughs> You all have lots of projects going on right now. I was wanting to see what's going on for each of you and what's going on for Clipping. I actually don't think we can even... Is there anything we can even announce as Clipping? or? Uh, we, have a, we have a reissue of our oh, very right. first release. It will have just come out. Nice. Um, uh, our first untitled tape that we did for our friend's label, Death Bomb Mark, in what year was that? Yeah, it came out in 2012. 2012. So we did a vinyl nice. reissue of that with some new remixes. and Great. Yeah. Check out Blind Spotting. If it, mm -hmm. It's not out yet either when this comes out. So July 20th or 27th, depending on where you live, there's a movie that I co-wrote with a good friend of mine and clipping collaborator at times. <laughs> nice. And I assume that you all are maybe working on some music on the side. We hope that you'll want to come and join us again when the next clipping work comes we, out. We are working, but we <laughs> don't know when it's happening. Yeah. But it's <laughs> There's no schedule for that. <laughs> and not only can we not announce it, but we can't announce it because we don't even know. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> right on. Um, thank you, gentlemen, so much for joining us on the show. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks, We're guys. big fans. It's really exciting. This episode of Switched on Pop was produced by me, Charlie Harding. And me, Nate Sloan. We are mixed and engineered by Bill Lance, designed by Luke Harris, and we are a proud member of the Panoply Network. You can find more episodes at switchedonpop.com. Reach out to us there. Contact at switchedonpop.com. Twitter, switchedonpop. And we'll be back in again with another episode in two weeks. And until then, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. And thanks to you guys. It has been so much fun having you on the show. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again. Thanks, yeah. That was great. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.